Welcome to the second episode of the Trust Your Coach Gut podcast. Today, I get to spend some time with Megan McDonough, who is the Associate Athletic Director and Head Women's Lacrosse Coach here at Catholic U. And um, it was, it, it's, you know, wonderful to talk to her, partly because of how successful she is. I mean, currently they are the they won their 12th landmark conference championship and um they're about to start their seventh consecutive appearance in the ncaa d3 uh women's lax championship tournament um matter of fact by the time this podcast comes out they will have hopefully won that game and be moving on um but really enjoyed our conversation we got to talk about uh we got to talk about her her early days playing soccer in Georgia, and then how that turned into playing soccer in college. And then we covered how she went from, you know, transitioned from soccer to lacrosse while she was at college, which is not a typical move, um, and how she handled that. Then we'll get into a little bit about, you know, how coach-player relationships can make or break a team, how, how vital that is to, to building the, uh, the culture. And then, of course, we'll touch on coaching during COVID. COVID, um, <laughs> COVID is is everywhere. So we'll we'll cover that a little bit. And then, lastly, really, we we, we kind of hash through, you know, how you develop players into into healthy adults. And um, I asked her to to relay, you know, to me one of the um, hard decisions she had to make as far as dealing with with team issues and and um, when they were um, forced with a decision that was dropped in their laps because of some racial injustice. So uh, take a listen, and I hope you get something from it. And I look forward to uh, spending more time with you as we, we have these conversations. Okay, well, welcome to uh, the Trust Your Coach Gut podcast, and I am uh, so blessed to have Coach Megan McDonough with me today. She is the uh, women's lacrosse coach here at Catholic University, and uh, when I landed here four years ago, she was someone that I went, okay, here's somebody who's figured this place out and has, has the right formula for what she's doing, and uh, so when I started doing these podcasts and started trying to figure out you know, how to, um, how to talk to, talk to myself, talk to other people about leadership and how I make decisions and how to have common sense leadership and, you know, how to figure out, do the right thing. I thought, well, she's going to be one of my first guests on this and get to ask her some questions. So Megan, thank you so much for joining me. This is awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So let me, let me kind of just outline for, um, for anybody like what, like a little bit about who you are and, um, and then we can you can jump in at any point, and I'll probably have a question as we get near the end. So, this is uh, okay. So, COVID not being like say it didn't happen, this would be season fifteen for you. Is that right? Absolutely. It's okay. <laughs> and so, in that time, uh, you ha have won over one hundred and eighty games with a winning percentage well over seventy uh, percent, and that's and that really doesn't take into account how good you've been the last few years. Um, with making 11 appearances in the NCAA tournament. Um, I think you're like, 
60 and two or something more than that in the landmark conference, something like that crazy. Uh, and, you know, like I said, you've been here for, for 15 years now. You came to Catholic from University of Louisville. Um, and then before that, you started out on the West Coast at Berkeley. Is that right? Yeah, that was my first coaching, like real coaching position was at Cal. Um, and then I was at Division II Limestone. Okay. So Limestone down in, that's in Gaffney, South Carolina, right? Yes, it is. And it yeah. is a lacrosse power, um, both on the men's and women's side. They've had a lot of success. Right. Yeah, that's, and and so, okay. And so, but you weren't, you didn't grow up as a lacrosse person because you're from Atlanta, Georgia. And at that time, I'm guessing women's lacrosse was not, that's not the hotbed spot for it. Um, but you were an athlete, right? Coming up through high school. I was a diehard soccer player from the first time I went, well, not going to the first soccer practice. Um, apparently I cried, but <laughs> after that, as soon as I got there, you couldn't get a soccer ball away from me from the time I was about three and a half. Yeah. Um, growing up in Atlanta there, my senior year was the first time there were any girls lacrosse teams and there was one high school team, not wow. my high school. My high school and, still doesn't have lacrosse. <laughs> so, uh, so you went on as a division one athlete in soccer to start out, where did you go first? So I started at Syracuse, so at least I got exposed to lacrosse and field hockey, two sports I'd never seen before. So Atlanta to Syracuse, you're talking a pretty big weather shift. Yes, <laughs> and they didn't have sweet tea, and that really killed oh, me. Oh, yeah. No, they don't know what that is in, no, in Syracuse. Not at all. Um, and so it was, it was a little crazy, and athletically, it was definitely a step up. Um, but because some of the intro classes especially were so big, um, it wasn't necessarily the best fit for me academically coming from a small high school and really liking that small class size um, where you get to participate instead of just be talked to. Right. It's yeah, I, I found for me too, like education happens so much better when I'm interacting with someone instead of just trying to absorb it. And uh, not everybody's that way, but for me, definitely. Yeah, yeah it was it was a huge culture shock too. also being up north, but the class right. size really is what was the biggest challenge. And I probably would have gone to American initially, but my mom taught there. Um, uh, and so you can't go where your mom works initially. Right. No. <laughs> um, but I can also say it ended up being super fun because between classes I could go sit in her office if she wasn't there or sit in there when she was there. Um, and that was a really cool experience too. And the right. classes were so much smaller. I got taught by professors instead of graduate students um and got to have, make some really great relationships and then stumbled into this new sport called lacrosse <laughs> and so so tell me how that happened because you were playing soccer at american right yep and so while you were there like how did, did you just see lacrosse being played or did you have friends that were doing it or so it was this really crazy window from like the mid to late 90s to the early 2000s that lacrosse was growing at the college level faster than it was at the high school level and there were not enough good athletes basically and so i'll be honest it wasn't the best fit for me soccer wise at american um with i still love my teammates but the coaching staff it, it's kind of interesting now that i'm a coach it wasn't the best fit and it's hard to say that um but it was a great experience because there had been a lot of other people who it hadn't been the best fit for who had learned to play lacrosse because the coaching staff there was just a really good fit for a lot of people. And I mean, Northwestern 
who is a dynasty, that's how they started too. They would just find athletes across campus hmm. and, and teach them how to play lacrosse. And that's what my coaches did at American and soccer just wasn't the right fit. And we, because my mom taught there, she was very good friends with the faculty athletic rep for the women's lacrosse team. Okay. And all right. So that, that makes more sense. It is, it's, it's interesting to me as a, you know, as a coach who I've been in a number of places and you figure out like that there's sometimes there's kids who don't fit with staffs and there's sometimes that staffs have um, coaching staffs that have their, their coaching style no longer fits society as, as a, you know, and, and, uh, and as coaches, I know I can dig my heels in some time and go, well, this is the only way to do it. And, and then you look around and you're like, well, wait a minute, somebody's doing it better than me, or, or I could do it that way too. And I get really disappointed when I see some coaches won't look to change and they feel like, well, I have to be me. And it's like, yeah, but who you're supposed to be is the person that helps these young people, you know? And that's, and that's why I love watching you because your teams, and the reason I want to tell you, your teams have this culture that is like infectious when the, when the girls come in, it's not brainwashing, but man, so if you didn't know better, you'd think it was, you look at them and they're all so happy to compete and they like, they're not, a, they're not afraid to help the person next to them who might even steal their position. You yeah. know, it's like, they just want to be good. And that's having that kind of achievement. So I, you know, I could see how maybe you as a younger person being a, uh, like, you're so competitive that not having the, the experience of coaching and everything, you just would look at it and go like, yeah, this isn't for me. You know what I mean? Like, and just deciding that, okay, well, I have another place where I can compete. Let me pick this stick up and see if I can do anything with it. Yeah, and I just had the two most amazing coaches initially who, I mean, they both played for the U.S. team. They both played at Maryland, and we all know what Maryland lacrosse right. means. And they took the time to, over the summer, to teach me individual skills. And then even as, like, when our first assistant ended up leaving after a year, the new assistant that came in, they just, it was, it was the right fit. And I think a lot of my time with them is the reason I am in the sport now. Um, I still love soccer, but I think coaching lacrosse is, no offense to the soccer coaches out there, many of whom I'm friends with, like coaching lacrosse is like way more fun to me because it's such an open and free sport. Um, and you can bring in so many other sports to it in a way I don't think you can other. Yeah, I always thought that lacrosse was like a combination of, of, of soccer and also of basketball because of some of the offenses you, you know, and defenses you play. And then at the same time, there's a physicality in soccer that's like closer to field hockey and, and mm -hmm. you know, where like people are, you know, I, like I saw one of your players the other day who works in the sports information office, Molly, she like had bruises up and down her arms from cross checks, you <laughs> yep. know, and I like, that's something I'm used to seeing on linemen and not that, on, on well, women's lacrosse players. And I'm oh, like, oh, I love it be honest, I've watched football games and I'm like, Ooh, I feel like I could tweak that and make it into something for lacrosse. And yeah. like, that's what you do. And I think that's one of the coolest things about our sport is it, you can be creative within it. Sure. So. And that, and that's, yeah, I think that lacrosse has that level of, um, there's a super amount of skill involved with the stick, but it's still about like getting people who want to run and play mm -hmm. fast. And they're the ones that you can then say, okay, because I can do that with these people now, what can I integrate uh, mm -hmm. schematically that other people aren't doing? Exactly. And, yeah. and I think it's just, it's so fun to watch them be creative. 
yeah, there's you, there's a certain point too in coaching where like you've sort of done all you can do, and then on game day you just pull back and go, okay, all right, guys, go have fun. Yeah, and that's yeah. literally what I've been saying for our last couple games. Yeah, and we have started in a way that we've never started before in regards to like the first ten minutes. We've just been on fire and scoring goals that are highlight worthy, and right. it's been fun. I'm like, I don't feel like I need to even talk to them anymore. I'm just like, go show off <laughs> well i won't i won't mention the name of your opponent from yesterday's game but um <laughs> you and i were talking before i started recording and it was it, you beat them i believe 22 to 1 is that right that is correct yeah <laughs> so i mean that's awesome like that's great and so so okay so looking at talking going back to the culture of your team like you landed at catholic and there definitely was not from what i understand there was not that culture then and you got here, like who, who were leaders that you thought, okay, I can pull from this person. They've done things like this before. Who were the leaders early on that, that you said, I'm going to use these people in my leadership style to build the culture that I want? I'm going to be honest at 26, 27, I was not that smart to think like how I just, I just talked to people. Like I talked to my coaching friends. I'm a voracious reader. So I did read a lot of coaching books. Um, and I also, I mean, I leaned on some of the players that I could kind of identify that maybe they would, they, we, we seem to align pretty well. Um, I will say one of the books that stood out to me the most, it was Pete Carroll's book. I don't remember the title of it. Right. Yeah. But I used to, Monday's always been like our typical day off. And I would always like try to read at least part of a coaching book to get ideas for the week. And his book is one that really resonated with me because Obviously, when he was at USC, they were extremely successful, but everything he talked about was like having fun and like playing pranks on his team and with his team. And that to me, like really resonated with me because if he can have fun at Southern Cal competing for national championships at the highest level with the most money involved, I should be able to have a lot of fun coaching division three women's lacrosse. Yeah, that's, and it's, uh, there's such a, I think in the coaching world, especially in football, there's this mentality of, okay, we have to have this certain regimented set of things that we do. And, and the, yeah, there should be um, a, a difference in the relationship between coach and player. Yes. But, but Pete Carroll was one of the first guys to really mainstream it in the last and be good at it to say, you know, and sometimes people use the word players coach as a negative, but he was really a players coach. Like the guys loved playing for him. I would love to play for him based on everything I read and why. Yeah. And, um, he, and he does it in the NFL too. Same yeah. thing in the NFL. Like you think all oh, these guys are pros, they're getting paid to play. But you know what? Like when, when they go out and you watch them on the field, they're out there having fun. Mm -hmm. And he also owns everything in a way. Like, I mean, I go back to that Super Bowl when he called a play and everybody said it was the worst thing ever and the way because like somebody dropped the ball or what and you probably know this way better right, than I did. Right. but the way he responded of if he would have caught it you would have thought I was brilliant <laughs> you know what I had confidence we could do it and I would make the same call again and he owned it and and I just I think that was also a great leadership lesson for his guys I mean don't you want to play for the person who thinks that highly and is like yep we did it I don't have any regrets yeah, I'd love to talk to him about how he, because he's revolutionized uh, 
the the way we tackle in football over the last seven years. And he went back and he looked at rugby tackling and he adapted some of their techniques because um, it's you really don't involve the head as much. And this was all designed to lower the number of head injuries. And um, he called it hawk tackling because he was at the Seahawks at the time. And I would love to find out how he came to that decision and how he risked like bucking the common wisdom of, oh, you got to do it this way or else you're not a real football player. And, you know, he found his tackling improve and do all that. I'd love to go through that process with him, but you're right. So he, he's not afraid to step out and be different. And yeah. I, and I, I get that sense from your teams. Like they're not worried about what a women's lacrosse team should be. They yeah. seem to me more worried about who are they and what, what are they supposed to be? And I will say that has been our focus more so this year than ever before, just because, I mean, obviously every, nothing's normal right now. Right. And I think embracing that, but also understanding, um, I mean, our goal every year is to win a conference championship. That's our first like tangible goal that we talk about. But on the flip side, like, why not go out there and just focus on us? Because I think we can do that. And we want to really, because sometimes like we kind of up and down with our opponents, like we can play up with the top, two teams in the country, but then maybe we drop a little bit when we play some teams that maybe aren't as talented or have as much depth. And we've just been talking about, hey, let's just do what we do. And and they're they're responding really well. That yeah, it's, it's, yeah, 22 to one's pretty good. Um, so so that culture, like how long did it take for you to feel like it had it had taken root like when you knew because I'm sure you had your hands on hands on at hmm. some point did you feel like okay I can pull back now these kids have got it I would say like we had some good years and you definitely when in 2012 we graduated a great class and I think they were the first kids to ha kind of have that buy-in for all four years um and we had a really great coaching staff but I think when things when like I have been full hands not full hands off obviously but a lot more hands off started with our graduating class of 2015 um, that year. They, that was the first year we actually did not have captains, um, which is the structure that we still have to this day is we do not have captains. Um, and I think that was the first year where there was a lot more empowerment to them. Um, and I think it's really served us well, especially like in a crazy time like now, I think because they've kind of, they all are forced to lead in different ways from the time they step on our campus. It has really helped with that culture of, I can just be like, hey, I mean, earlier today, I texted my juniors and seniors about something. I'm like, hey, can you just like make sure we do that? And they're like, yeah, of course, that's what we do. And it's yeah, just that's, that's interesting. <laughs> so I want to, I want to go back to that, like the not having captains. I've, I'm, I regularly, go back and forth on like our captains a good thing or a bad thing and in the end for us i think they're a good thing for for our team but i can see how um someone might sort of just give up some responsibility if they say well i'm not a captain i'm not going to say something i'm not a captain i'm the and whereas a captain might say well i have to say something even though they may not be convicted that it's the right thing to do and and then that you know so i i like the idea of why randomly pick a few people, you know, um, and it's not random. I take that back. It's not random. They're, they have the skill set and things like that, but it's almost like you're everybody else on the team go, Oh, well, I want to be captain, but since I'm not, I don't have to do these things. 
Exactly. And, and it was kind of the perfect storm that year. We had a number of great leaders and they led in different ways. And some of our younger players really identified with someone that maybe her classmates didn't identify with as well. And then the upperclassmen really identified with a couple different people. And it was very heavily defense oriented. And I'm like, we can't have five captains all on defense. <laughs> right. It's like, that's not going to work either. And my assistant at the time, I was super lucky. She was taking a class in our business school as a master's student. She was like, what do you think of no captains? And that's kind of also when we started having a lot more conversations with the team and really including them a lot more in discussions. Um, and from that, they're like, well, what happens if it's terrible and it doesn't work? And I was like, well, then we'll have captains. Right. Like, oh, so, okay. <laughs> so that's another point. I, something I've noticed about your squads and, and you is that you, um, there's like, I don't get ego from, uh, there's no vibe of ego from you or your players and, you know, that is to me almost unnatural for seeing that with such a competitive group and, and coaches and just hearing you talk about like, okay, I, you know, you, you had, I don't know, I don't know that assistant coach was probably like 22 or 23 years old and they suggest <laughs> something like my, as me, where I'm at and my nature guys like, you don't know nothing, you know, I don't want to hear from you. When I, when I want to hear your opinion, I'll tell it to you, you know, like that's me. Uh, but that is so awesome that you, that they've done that. And this is something that now, you know, six, seven years later, you're still using it as a model. Mm -hmm. So what do you credit that to for yourself being able to be open to all the input? Like how, how do you, how do you set your ego aside? Well, I will say it's not always the case. And sometimes I'm too sensitive, but I learn, I'm like, okay, that's a really good idea. And I also, I think I, I'm pretty self-aware about my own limitations. Um, I mean, even, like I am very much more of a defensive minded coach. Like I love defense. I love transition both ways. I have some really good attackers. I'm like, Hey, bring me some ideas. I don't know. I just, I think it's, I like to learn and I, I do believe everybody can teach everyone. Yes. The final buck is going to kind of stop with me, but I also find that you get more buy-in when you work in a collaborative space. And I, I think one of the best things that we said when well, one page throughout the idea, it, honestly, it de-stressed me because right. to, to not have to deal with the captain's drama, I was like, oh, we can try this. And then I think my response to the team of, well, if it sucks, then we will have captains. And and that creates buy-in when we're trying to do other things. Like if I'm like, hey, I want to try this defense. And they're like, Megan, that sounds horrible. Or I don't know. I was like, well, I need you to buy in for 15 minutes and we're going to see. And if it's terrible, then we'll go back. And then it works. And they're like, oh, Maybe you do know what you're doing, so, <laughs> but, but also knowing like, you know what, this is not what's going to work today. Like we need to go back to the drawing board. And I think when they feel like you have rationale for what you're doing, but you're also willing to reevaluate if it isn't working again, I just think it creates a really good culture of collaboration, respect, um, and also including things like even sometimes like whenever if my assistants want to do something that I really think is not what I want to do or what right. we need to do sometimes you just do it because then again it just creates buy-in and it, it makes a better space because everybody feels like they're a part of it and I mean unless it's something I like feel is there anything are there many things in lacrosse that I feel ridiculously strong about no and if I feel super strong about it I'll explain why and you have to you have to go with it right but the rest of it you know, give everybody space because you never know what's, it's never what comes from like that first 
maybe idea, but it's what comes out of that first idea. Yeah, that's, and that's it. To me, that's the thing. And it's, it's usually like, you know, as, as coaches along the same line, football coaches, we'll, we'll get on the board and you draw a play up. And sometimes I'll see it. I'm like, boy, that's the dumbest thing I ever saw. <laughs> But there will be something in. I'm like, okay, you know what? Well, we've got the guard and tackle doing this on that play. Now that might work with this. And I could see the same thing happening with, okay, we're going to try this defense, you know, in lacrosse and we're going to, all right, we're going to try and double team over here back on the wing. And like, oh, you know what? That's not a great idea. But if we switched it over to here, you know, and, and I, and you would never stumble across those adjustments if, if you're not open to it in the beginning, and I, I still am amazed at your openness to have other people's input. And you're right. Like, yeah, the buck stops at your chair, you know, as, as yeah. a head coach, that's why you get, that's why you have the head in front of coach. It's like, that's yeah. it. Um, but that doesn't mean that, like, I know for me, it doesn't mean I know it all. It just means that I'm the one that has to be the decider at the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, my assistants like coming to work a lot more when they know they can influence what we're doing. Absolutely. And, and not just the kids and the kids like coming to work if they know that they're it's not a top-down process it's like you said collaborating like we're all in this together and uh i wish i had as a younger coach i wish i had had that more in my head instead of like oh well i've been named coach so now it's my job to impart this fantastic knowledge to these young people yeah you know and I think you do that as a young coach like yeah oh absolutely yeah. At 26 years old, I'm like, let me, let me tell you everything I've figured out. You know, yeah. now I look back and go, boy, I didn't even know what the right questions were then. No. And like, you just need to check yourself. And I mean, I literally was checking myself this morning because coaching right now is very different. I mean, pre COVID, it was very different than right. when I started. But in COVID, I mean, one of the things that I, I've been really focusing on with them and with myself is like, we have to give a lot of grace to one another. Yes. Because this is not normal, what we're living through. And it's hard as a coach, because we want to control everything. (laughs) No doubt. Yeah. But I think giving them the space and like being like, you know what, we, we need a break, or we need to just goof off today, or you need to do this today. Like, and and understanding, like owning that I'm going to mess up because you know what, I hadn't coached a game in over a year. I didn't know what I was doing. I forgot. (laughs) I forgot everything, you know, it comes back to you pretty quickly, but yeah, I, I, we're, we're getting ready to have a scrimmage, our first scrimmage this Saturday against an outside opponent. And, and, uh, you know, normally I have like a full, uh, timeline from the minute we get up for breakfast and what the, with minute to minute, what everybody's going to do. And I just looked at that and like, well, I'm like, well, let's crumble that up and throw it away because half of the activities involved in there, we can't do right now. You know, I, like I'm, we usually have a team mass and we'll go to a team breakfast. And these are all things that are not going to happen with a hundred football guys right now. Yeah. And it's the same thing. Like, obviously we're not tailgating, but we haven't done film the way we've done it. But then it allows you, like I said, to like focus on yourselves and your team. And like, again, we also, for the most part, have two coaches and 35 young women. I was enough to bring an alum back um, kind of periodically this spring, but we don't have the eyes. So empowering our young people to help one another um, and you, you talked like about the culture. I think that's one of the biggest things too, of like, yes, definitely ask me before a drill, like if there's something you want to work on and you want my feedback, but also guess what? That freshman who just came from a great program, they can probably give you feedback. And that senior can also tell you exactly what my expectations are. And, and so I think, again, it creates a greater level of trust mm-hmm. and ownership and yeah, desire. That- 
that trust and ownership, it's like, and I know there's so many coaching books all about it and how to get it and how to do it. But it's, I, I think it's, you can write down all of the plans on like, how do I do the right thing with these people? How do I do this? But it's not until you're looking with that person or being with that person you, and you learn about them mm-hmm. and what matters to them and they know what matters to you. Then in that next setting, you could say, okay, what do they need from me to take the next step? And, mm-hmm. and it's silly as it sounds, it's, it's sometimes it's them having that little bit of input and just yeah. saying, oh, they, they did. And they're like, okay, well, coach really does care about me. You know, and and I think uh, right now you've got, like you said, two two coaches with your large squad. And I, when was the last time you had to do this? Probably never having just two for this. Yeah, usually we've had three. And like, I'm so lucky we have an alum who's back and right. also is much better at offense than I am, um, which is great. Yeah, this it's, yeah. it's uh, it, the COVID has definitely forced me to go back and go, well, why did I do that? You know, and like, if it is a set, okay, so I would say, yeah, sometimes I've come to the conclusion that I did that for very good reasons. Here they are, one, two, three. Now, since I can't do it that way, how can I get a reasonable facsimile of that to Mm -hmm. still get the same product, you know, and sometimes you can, and sometimes you can't, but there's been a few things that I've looked at and going, you know what, that was completely non-essential. And I did Mm -hmm. that because that's the way I did it when I played yeah. In, you know, 1992 out here at the DeFore Center. That's why we're doing it. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, and I laugh at like the way our game is evolving so rapidly. And like one thing that my coach told me going through is like, you don't do on-ball picks. And I was like, okay, we don't do on-ball picks. And I preached that forever. And now I'm watching all these teams and they're doing it. And I'm like, okay, so we need to get more creative and start oh, bringing this <laughs> in a little bit more. Now I have to teach them how to do that correctly. Right. But, but it's funny because again, my coach said, you don't do that. And I'm a rule follower, so I didn't do that. <laughs> and now I'm like, okay, I watch enough big time lacrosse to realize we got to bring them in somehow. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, I mean, just things, you know, going back to what I'm going through, we've got the team out there. And, and one of the, my big things is, okay, we need to transition from drill to drill as fast as we can. And let's be hustling and let's always move. And now with the group, we're trying to keep groups apart because you've got to worry about contact tracing and spacing and all stuff. And so now I'm like, hey, whoa, whoa, you're transitioning too fast. Go get a drink of water and then come over. Stuff that would have I would have like been screaming at on the field about, don't you guys love football? And now I have to be like, slow it down, fellas. Well, it's funny when we were walking down from our game yesterday, we were watching y'all's practice. We're like, that just seems like so much because there's just so many people, yeah. including so many coaches. Like you have as many coaches as I have players practically. It's I'm lucky, you know, it, it is awesome to be in a place like DC where there's people with football experience and I can be picky about who comes on staff and all the guys that are here now, like this staff I have is a bunch of men who are like just chomping at the bit to be able to give back a little bit of what they know to these kids. And this is the, in four years being here, this is the first time that I feel like everyone, and it's not, you know, nothing like, it's just not like the other coaches weren't great. It's just, as we've evolved, everybody's sort of on the same page mission-wise of what are we here for? Oh, we're here to make these kids better people and that'll make them better football players. And I'm not sure that was ever, maybe it's because of me. I didn't necessarily have that mindset before. And it sounds cliche, but the only way they're going to be reach their potential on the football field is if we if we get them excited about reaching their potential everywhere else. Yeah, because and, it's the same. I mean, yeah. if you're a high achiever, you're usually a high achiever everywhere. Yeah, because it'll just bleed into like the, 
how many times you're like, here's a, here's a really good player. Um, but you know what? They're not so good at getting to class on time and they're not so good about getting their assignments turned in at time. Eventually, and, it, and, and sooner than later, that's going to bleed over. And it's going to either one's going to rise up or it's going to pull the other down. Mm -hmm. You can't really have this compartmentalized area of excellence and this other area of mediocrity or worse. Like that doesn't, at least my experience, that doesn't last. No, it's, and, and I think again, when you're associating with people who also prioritize things the same way you do, it's like reverse good peer pressure. Yeah. And, and you know what I've found is like, if you, ex, if you accept somebody's, um, you know, have a good player and I'll be like, well, he's just not good at that, mm-hmm. you know? And really what it turns out to is no, he's not disciplined at that. And if I don't intervene and work to correct it, and I don't have to necessarily fix it, but if I'm not actively working to correct it, then I think it has more energy and persistence than the good qualities of other people and so I find like the, the anchor pulls down more than the float lifts it up, you know? So you, you could take one anchor can hold a whole huge ship back, you know? And this, that's why I feel like sometimes in our program, all it takes is one anchor. You got one drain and it can empty the whole pool. And the thing that is also, I think, really cool, especially about being a Catholic is you can get these one kid who maybe like this is 100% where they belong and they can elevate everybody, even if they're not the best player. Yep. Like, because they are so all in on every aspect that the university has to offer that they find a way to get on the field and do things you didn't even think they were capable of because they want to be here that badly and they bring everyone along with them. Yes. And everybody turns and looks at them and says like, man, they just like, they just don't stop. They keep going. And eventually you find like that you know, like the locker room for me, and this is why I love about your team is the locker room is a special place for you guys, even though you can't be in the locker room, like you would like to be now, but it's a special place for your team. And that's something that's so important because you get people in there that like, that just raise everybody up and they get the buy-in and they're all there. There's no one, I don't get the sense that there's people in there going, oh, that today's about me, you know, Mm -hmm. like they're, and this is a big thing for me. And this comes out in this podcast all the time is, is asking the right questions. And mm-hmm. I get the feeling that your team asks, they, like the first question they ask is, how can I help? Not what's in it for me. Yeah, and I mean, they all have, we all have our moments of selfishness, but what is really fun, like in a game like last night, um, it's the first time I've ever played four goalkeepers. And <laughs> yeah. in our fifth year, goalkeeper was so excited to give shout outs to every single other goalie. And that was really cool. And then I think about Holly, who's another fifth year, and all she wants to do is assist every single first time goal. Like that's her goal. Like her and another senior are like fighting about who gets to assist more first goals. Right. And and I love that that's the competition. It's not yeah. how many assists am I going to get? How many goals am I going to get? Who's going to get to assist more people scoring their first college goal? Yeah. That being so genuinely excited mm-hmm. when people do things that we see in practice every day, but maybe they don't get those opportunities and like the, the pure excitement on the sidelines. I mean, and there's so. something about like those, those shared experiences then become part of the fabric of the culture. Like those shared experiences become like, Oh yeah, that felt good. That's, that's what we should do. That's where we, you know, and uh, it's, it's, I think the hard thing when you're getting, when you, the energy that has to come when you're starting the culture and getting it going, the energy has to come is like, okay, how do I create a shared experience that aims towards what I want them? Cause I know I, in my head, I have a vision of what I want their experience to be. And I think there's a, 
like a twofold combination for me. And this, I'm on a little rant here. It's like, <laughs> it's like, okay, so I have to get them to believe what they need to believe. So then they'll behave in the way I want them to behave that then leads to that outcome. And sometimes they will, sometimes they just believe it on their own. That's why you recruited them, Yeah. you know? And then there's sometimes they're close, but you have to do something to get them to see the light. And like, this is what I need to believe. Cause if they don't believe it, then they're not going to behave in a way that that brings about that outcome, you know? Yeah. And, and, and it's like, you're either going to believe it and then behave a certain way, or you're going to look at your own behavior and then define your beliefs around what you're doing and say, well, I believe this. And you're like, wait, do you really believe that? Or is it just because you like sleeping to nine that you say you're not a morning person, you know? Yeah. Well, I also buy in on morning practice in a way that. Oh, you guys are awesome. No. Like I, 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 <laughs> I love it. They yeah. like oh, so much better, but I will say one of the best things that I did was realize like, I can't recruit people. I don't like and families I don't like. Yeah. It doesn't yep. work. It no, it won't work in the end. And it's, and it's that, that like, that might sound uh, selfish and someone who doesn't understand sports might think that's petty, but really mm-hmm. you, that's no good for the person you're recruiting. Nope. Like, cause, cause they're, if they're going to get there and that's like a, that's just a human thing. Like you, you're going to spend so much time with that person. You, I have to like the guys that are on the team. And it doesn't mean that I have to like them in the way that, Hey, I want to have them over for dinner. It means I have to look at them and say, okay, this is a person I want to involve in my life. Exactly. And, and it took me a while to realize that. And I think that's one of those things as a young coach, you sometimes overlook because you want yeah. to be a player. I'd rather have a kid, like I said, who either really wants to be here or is just a great fit personality um, because they're going to overachieve if they come here. I feel confident in that. And that goes that goes back to the locker room. Like the 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 healthy locker room is going to multiply talent. Yep. You know, like you're going to take okay. So on a scale of one to ten, you want to recruit that ten athlete, that ten talent mm-hmm. person. But you know what? If they're going to be that anchor that I was talking about, like forget it, because that's yeah. going to make everybody else a four. Mm-hmm. But if you recruit, uh, you know, okay, this person's an eight, but man, are they the right person? Like yep. that's going to make everybody else around them go to eight and a half or nine or whatever. And that's, that's more fun. Yeah. It's totally more fun. And it's, and we, you know, this coaching thing, like it's not a part-time job, like you're going to, no. you better be all in. And if you're going to be around people, you, the last thing I want to do is go out to practice and go like, all right, can I just get through my special teams period? Cause the kickers are driving me crazy. You know, like that's not healthy. No, it's not. And we're all going to again have, and I love my kickers. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you have them in your family, so you have to. That's you don't it. Have- That's it. That's right. But it is. I mean, and I think, again, respecting that we're all going to have those days. Like, I owned one of those days at one point early in our preseason. I was like, I am just not happy. And I'm sorry. But, like, it allowed them the space to also mm. own what was off. Yeah. Yeah. We, we had a funny feeling practice last night. And I told the guys, I said, listen, this is our, you know, this was our 26th practice. And we haven't played anyone yet. <laughs> And they're like a little stale. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I said, I, I said, I can accept that as that that's what happened. What I can't accept is that that, that like, that's not making us better. And yeah. they, and you know what, they looked at me and I saw heads nodding and I was like, okay, they, they heard me. Like mm-hmm. they knew that those, like, they can't let the strangeness of this COVID world steal from the fact that when they're on the field, we get a couple hours to go play football. Don't mm-hmm. let that ever get stale. Yeah. 
and I think we're all realizing that. Yeah, but yeah. sometimes you need a reminder. <laughs> totally, and and I wasn't I wasn't lecturing them or berating yeah. them, and and I told them for me, I said, you know what, most of this is my fault because I just sort of watched it happening, and these are such good kids. If I had blown the whistle and brought it to their attention at thirty minutes into practice, we could have had a mind shift, and yeah. I didn't, and that's on me, you mm -hmm. know. And I think they like it when you own your mess up, your mistakes. Yeah. Again, it makes you human instead of this like dictator person. Right. It's really yeah. important. I never make mistakes. I'm okay. perfect. And, yeah. No, that doesn't fly, especially, you know, and as maybe 40 years ago, I don't know when people were playing football back then or, or you know, like that might have worked where they just said, oh, that's the coach. You just do what he's saying. But now like, and it's not a negative. It's just, they want to know why, why are we doing this? But I think if, and if we flip the way we think about it, it makes it a positive because totally. we have to think and yep. then it allows us to evolve at times. And, and then when we feel strongly on something, they will take it too, most of the time. Totally. Cause you can get hung up on the, well, that's not my problem. It's their problem, you know, mm -hmm. but then you look at it, you're like, well, wait a minute, there's a lot more of them. And my job is to try and get them to be as good as possible. So that, wait a minute, this problem. is my problem. <laughs> you know, how easy is it to change one person instead of, you know, on my squad, a hundred guys are in yours, 35 yeah. 35 young women who are all there chomping at the bit to go. And you're like, I'm going to hold these people back because I have feeling X or decision Y. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So let's wrap up with, you know, one of my big things is how do you know how to do the right thing? And I, I, I wanted to see if there was a time in these last 14 or 15 years when you were forced with a decision and you just you couldn't, you wouldn't have bet a hundred dollars that you were doing the right thing, but that's what you decided to do anyway. Yeah. And so I, I've been, I was thinking about that a lot and I think I'm really lucky. I don't think I've had a ton of terrible situations that I've been in, but I flash like whenever I think of like something that's defined my coaching career, um, it happened actually in 2019. So it's like very recent and very wow. raw still. Um, and going into our opener, our season opener, um, we were supposed to be traveling to a school that had just had a handful of racist incidents happen on their campus. Right. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'll be honest at first, I like, I think I got a text from my mom and she was like, are you playing? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, you're being so dramatic. And then I actually like read what happened and I was like, whoa, I need to like figure this out. Um, because I had two seniors who were young women of color, mm -hmm. especially for them. Um, and so I started having conversations and I'm not gonna lie, like I was crying hysterically. I feel super fortunate that I have a great friend in the athletic department who allowed, gave me the space to be dramatic and cry. <laughs> uh, I've since learned that is the worst thing that I can do as a white woman is cry. <laughs> <laughs> but we had conversations, the seniors came in, we talked to them. It was so powerful to see where they were as freshmen, maybe making some miscues um, and saying things that weren't appropriate to the first person being like, they don't feel, our teammates, our classmates don't feel comfortable and safe getting on the bus. Why would we get on the bus? And being told, you know what, we might not be able to reschedule this game against a top five team. And they're like, that's fine. Like, obviously we'd love to reschedule it. Cause we, we feel like we can go, but right now it's not the right time. Mm -hmm. And, and then being told, well, maybe some, some of you can go and some of you can't. And they said, no. And I was like, I won't get on the bus with them if they don't want like, and, and just seeing how they felt about it. And honestly, just empowering them to use their voices 
um, was really cool. And then to have to have those hard conversations with the opposing coach and administration who were so incredibly gracious. Um, and I'm still very appreciative to how they allowed us the space. Um, but going through that, like the way I changed throughout that moment, that whole day um, was really pivotal. And it was so impactful to see how the young women had grown from their freshman year to their senior year that they made the decision. And it was not about me. I wasn't going to make that decision for them. Right, right. And so I think when you ask about a decision, I think the decision to not make a decision and just to support what was important to them um, was- that, that, that like flies against so many coaching bones in the body of like, like the games are sacrosanct. Like you don't mess with games and you're like, I don't care if Hitler's the president of that university, we're gonna go play them and beat them, yeah, exactly. you know? And so, but then like, I love the idea of like taking into account the mindset of the team and, and what did it matter to them? Because again, that, that's kind of what I was saying of like, it doesn't matter what I think yep. necessarily for these teams. It's like, we're trying to teach them. And when you get into something as impactful and heavy and and when you have, you know, a racist occurrence mm -hmm. and then there, you know, you have minorities on the team and they look at it. And if you just push through it, like and say, well, we're just gonna go play. And then it's like, are you discarding their feelings? Are you not recognizing what they're going through? You know, and then, you know, but the coach side of you is like, well, they've got to learn to deal, but like, mm -hmm. well, when, and so who, who has it like for me, like who's better for me to decide me or the kids who are experiencing it. And so th that's a hard bridge to cross is to know, like, can I, can I let go of the reins a little bit and see where the right thing to do is here. And that's like, I would have a hard time with that. And so I give you a lot of credit for letting the, the team sort of filter through and sort it through and say, nope, this is where we're at. And, and what was such a blessing from that experience is one, I think the team grew significantly closer. Um, and I think after when everything transpired, oh, I guess it was actually, it was 2020. It wasn't 2019, it was 2020, my bad. Yeah. Yeah, so it was, I mean, we only played three games in 2020, but- Yeah, but COVID years, it feels yeah. like it was 10 years ago. Exactly, so. but I think when everything happened this summer, the young women on our team were in such a great place to have conversation right. and see things differently. And then as we're seeing these student athletes across the country start using their platform, that was just a tiny sliver of some of our student athletes using their platform, um, which is really cool mm -hmm. because I think we're seeing change and we're seeing in like such positive changes. It's not about the kids speaking up on their behalf. It's about the kids speaking up on everyone's behalf. Yeah. And the power of sports. And I love the way I love the way it was handled. Um, you know, the way that the, the everybody on the team, it was no virtue signaling. There wasn't any of that stuff. It was just like we're this isn't right right now. This isn't good for us. And we're not like they weren't blaming anybody. They no. were just saying that's not a place we can go right now. Mm -hmm. And they didn't come at it and say that we'll never go there. We'll never play that school. We'll never do this. Like, yeah. that's it. We turn our back on you. It was just like, hey, there, there's something going on. You got to figure it out. And we're not going to, we're going to let our decision to say no, help you decide that this isn't a way you can be. And I don't, you know, and I, I know, as you're saying, the, the administration at that place is working really hard to figure out how this all came to be. And, and I don't, assign any blame in that way you know because who knows i could have it on my team it could be it's everywhere yeah. 
people making poor decisions, but that was a time where your team was so strong and saying, we care enough about a few people on the team to make sure that we all are willing to forego, like I said, something that's so important. You get so few games to say, we might never get this back was a big decision. Yeah. And it was, it was just such a cool thing to watch though. And then we brought in the juniors after we had the conversation as the seniors and they were like 100% on board. And then we brought the whole team together and I gave them ice cream because sweets makes everything better, especially ice cream. <laughs> yes, um, That's what I found in all of my years of coaching. But then to hear freshmen speak up and say, yeah, I'm really proud to be a part of this team because we care about it. We're a family. One person yep. doesn't feel safe. It's one thing if one person doesn't like somebody, but like if one person doesn't feel safe, none of us feel safe. Right. Because we have no. to protect ourselves. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I think um, that, that that's probably a good place to stop, yeah. you know, the family part. That's awesome. Well, Coach, thanks again, you know, as uh, as I work through these podcasts and try and figure out what my common sense leadership is and how to do the right things. It's nice to have people in this department that um, you can bounce ideas off of. And, you know, I, I'm excited to watch your continued success. And as we come out the other end of this pandemic, um, you know, you're one person I know that's going to take what you've learned and really spin it forward. And uh, I think there's so many people that are like, okay, well, yeah, I learned something, but we're never gonna have to worry about that again, because, but I think that's the wrong way to look at it. It's like, okay, I learned this. Now, how does that help me moving forward? Exactly. Yeah. No, so. and I appreciate the opportunity and just the talk. I think we sometimes get too much in our silos and yeah. think I can only talk to other women's lacrosse coaches, where <laughs> I think we learn so much more from each other in the department because everybody's coming from different places, but we're all dealing with the same kids. That's it, yep, yep. And that's that's why I love this. One of the reasons I love this place is that everybody is here for the kids, you know, yep. and that's, and we have to continue to, um, I have to continue to remind myself because it's so easy to just get hung up on, well, let's go win games. Like, wait, the games will uh -huh. come, like the wins will come. And that's where you, I, you know, the, your wins are coming, but it's <laughs> the other parts, you know, when I hear the, the, the nobody listening to this knows that the women's lacrosse locker room is usually right next to my office. And so the pregame stuff that I hear going on, I'm like, all right, there's, there's a, there's a party in there. I'm going to have to call public safety to break it up. They're having too much fun. And yeah. then they go out and they just totally roast somebody. <laughs> it's fun to watch as, as, a, as a coach. I look at that. And I'm like, Oh man, that's awesome. So, so yeah. thanks again for sharing with me, coach. I really appreciate it. And uh, I hope you finish out the spring and just keep rocking. Thank you so much. All right. You Talk soon. to you soon. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening. That was uh, an awesome conversation with Coach McDonough. And I have to apologize to her and to you listeners like as i'm figuring out <clears throat> like how this works i realize i'm talking too much <laughs> i interrupted her way too much she had great stuff to say and i was too busy trying to throw my two cents in so uh i promise you i'll get better at that and and do a better job of listening and let people share more because they're they're going to know more than i do that's for sure but uh, thanks again for listening uh once again if you want to connect with me you can send me an email at trustyourcoachgut at gmail.com, or uh, you can find me on Twitter at Coach Mike Gut. 
And uh, I look forward to, to, to the next one and it'll be coming soon. We have a couple great guests coming up uh, that are going to sit down with me and, uh, and talk about things that are important and that, that common sense leadership. And again, like, how do you do the right thing? So until then, trust your coach gut.